in this practice season six, starring Dylan McDermott, Cameron Metheim, Steve Harris, Lisa Gay Hamilton, Lara Flynn Boyle, Kelly She make me happy Williams, Marla Sokolov, and Ron Livingston briefly, with appearances by Dylan Baker, Charles S. Dutton, the Baker's Wife. A crossover with The Walking Dead. John Larroquette. Bruce McGill. Gus Spring. The guy who blew up Gus Spring. Black Widows. More Black Widows. Babies Everywhere Again. Gambling Addictions. A serial killer after Lindsay. Backdraft 3. Oh, uh, sorry, I think that was from last season. Nope. Another one! What, really? Didn't they do that before? Yeah, I think twice. And Rob Livingston just quit! Uh, and <laughs> now your hosts, Keith Barney and Mike Indeglio! <laughs> Whew, I think I blew out my mic 14 times <laughs> in that. <laughs> Welcome to the Season 6 Oopsie Awards. How's it going, Mike? I'm hungover, Keith, as you can probably tell by my <laughs> appearance. But what's uh, my excuse? Some, I just look like shit. <laughs> for some reason, uh, I've already started giggling, so I'm I'm excited for today. Oh well, that's good. Oh boy, we have so much uh, to get into. We have some very prestigious fake awards to give to give out. Uh, but first, we need to uh, hop back into the time machine and talk right away. We're not, we're, you know, there's no chit chat. There's no nothing. We have to get into this. This is very important. We need to talk about what was going on. This summer, this day in the basement, folks, we are talking about the summer of 2002. After season six of The Practice, Mike, it's 2002. What's going on? Keith, this summer was an important summer. Mm-hmm. As I told you, I, I moved home. I was I was in a place, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't all sadness. I was playing poker with friends. I was being a bachelor in my mom's basement. You know the. the the, the the highlights of life, as people like mm. to call them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I decided that since I had just spent a lot of money studying to be an actor, I should I should go to an audition. Oh, is that what you do? Uh, at one point, yes. At one point, 
I'm also, uh, you might not know, a seldom known fact, I'm also a comedian. Oh, 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 is is that so? I, do we have any reference to that? Comedian? Yeah. Oh, you can tell I've been having vocal troubles. I didn't even, <laughs> I was very flat. Um, you transposed was, it down. That's what yeah. happened. You got to take it down sometimes, folks. Mm, mm, mm. So I saw an audition for a show called Forever Plaid. We've mentioned it on the podcast a few times. I didn't know much about it. It had a lot of reference music, Perry Cuomo, lots of things. And I'm listening to this music, and I'm thinking, oh, this Perry sounds... Perry Cuomo, is that, is that the third Cuomo brother? Did I say Cuomo? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, that's not good. Uh, there's so many jokes to be made there, but I'm not going to make mm, them. Mm, mm. Uh, Perry Cuomo. Was he a handsy douchebag, too? The, the four lads and all kinds of uh, mm-hmm. like late 40s, early 50s, but before like, doo-wop and rock and roll and such. A uh, lot of uh, white guy music, just mm-hmm. very white it's guy music. The, possi- the whitest show possibly in the uh, world. But but lots of but the music itself has lots of is very self. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's tongue in cheek. A lot of it's, like it's Louis a Prima type show. Things. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about just the music in general. Before you, mm. this is me not knowing the show and just listening to this music that wasn't really in my vocabulary much. Uh, but some great harmony. So I go to this audition, and I, I can't remember what I sang. I wish I could, but I know that it was the wrong thing. Whatever I sang was the wrong choice. It's probably Lost in the Wilderness if it was 2002. Yeah. And so, but I, I met I'd this rather guy be sailing. named Will Stutz. He was the, uh, the audition was in Philadelphia. It was at the uh, Walnut Street Theater uh, studio stage, I'll remember. And I met this man named Will Stutz, who... I didn't know it at the time, but was gonna change my life in, in a lot of ways. He was this like Southern guy who had moved up to Pennsylvania, and uh, he was just the sweetest man. He passed away this year, that's why I'm a little, uh, little mm. sad. But so anyway, this is a good story, so I'm gonna tell it because uh, this took up my whole summer. So uh, a couple days later, he called me and he's like, "I, I, you sang the wrong thing. I'm not sure that you're right, but." I know you have this part. I have you. I just can't get you out of my mind from this audition. I want you to do this part. And so I got my first libretto in the mail to do Forever Plaid. And I just had the coolest like three weeks before the gig started just learning this music. I, you know, yeah. I, I, it was my first professional job. So I really went for it. Like I tried to learn all of the melodies uh, before and it's I went to rehearsal. A, it, it is. And I, I actually saved my butt because if it had, I, had I gone in cold, I would have been in trouble. Yeah. So I, I, I did a ton of work. I, I did as much research as I could at the time. The internet wasn't as internet as it was right now, uh, as it is now. And so finding a ton of old clips of, of, of reference wasn't really possible at the time. Uh, especially there was a lot of calls for the, for, this, for the Ed Sullivan sketch and lots of things. I wish I had had YouTube at yeah, the time. Topo GGO. Topogigio, a lot of a lot of things I needed to be educated on, but that's the great thing about Will Stutz. But we'll get there. So this is going to be a, a very quick uh, productions at the Mount Gretna Playhouse are very quick, and so it was like a week and maybe nine days of eight days of rehearsal, and then a two weekend run, very quick. So we go up, I meet some amazing gentlemen, and they're putting us they put us up in these little cottages. Uh, really, I'm thinking, oh, this is how the, all the gigs are going to be. It's getting paid well. And right. <laughs> uh, I then learned that I got so many lessons. Man, this first gig taught so many lessons to me. Uh, within 
four days of rehearsal, three days of rehearsal, we're doing music rehearsal, it was very clear that two of the four plaids who were hired could not sing harmony. Oh, which, no. That's I, the whole were, show. They were great guys, very funny, but they could not. It was a smudge and sparky, the two middle voices. Uh, myself and the, the jinx, Jack Beetle, who was a baby. He was, I was, I was a kid and he was a baby. Uh, he was very young, but he went to Eastman. He was an Eastman grad. Oh, no uh, kidding. Opera I also tenor. Did, I also yep. did Jinx. I know. So, it's, opera tenors. He's, he was Keith, he is my, another Keith, he is very you, <laughs> as a matter of fact, <laughs> I'm in so many ways. I'm so sorry. Um, I wish I had all day. I could do another podcast on just this one production, but I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. So, but, you know, we only had eight days of rehearsal, so we're already halfway through rehearsal, and they're realizing this isn't going good. Uh, so one more day goes by, and finally Will pulls me aside, and he goes, uh, Mike, what should I do? And I'm 22 oh my God. years old? Twenty. You not should even not 22. be asking me. That's but what. But me, me and Will have been going out, and, like, we had, you know, he, he, had, he had really taken to me, uh, and I was like, I... I I was like, we can't there. It's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. Because we had just started staging. Like, we had had to give up on the music at that point. Cause, but right. you, you know the show. I wish I could. It it was an impossible situation. Now, there's this it, old totally saying that like, everything always comes together in theater. But, like, not always. So, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, the next day at rehearsal, uh, there were two different guys there. Oh, my and, God. And uh, he had made some phone calls. There had beaten some people who auditioned who had done the show before. Yeah, and I met two who would become really good friends, and one who would become a lifelong friend. I uh, was in his wedding. Oh, this guy John Smiley, and they came in, and we had at that point I think two and a half days of rehearsal before we opened. Oh my god! Uh, we had never met each other, <laughs> and luckily they had done the roles before. But yeah, there's a lot of core. It's a big show. It's a big little show. It's a lot of work. There's only four people, and they never leave the stage. And so they we all ended up, sing together. Yep. We ended up doing this thing called the plaid huddle, which is not a thing in the show, but it was for this one very specific production. And we would, when the show opened, we barely knew what, we had rehearsed in all kinds of a jumble, so we barely knew what was next. So we would, like, every at any point, one of the, you could call a huddle, and we would get on stage real quick, like in the middle of the stage, and just remember, remind each other what was next, and like stuff like that. It was oh insane. It was absolutely insane. Wow. Oh, as I'm talking, I should put up. Um, hold on, just a sec here. The plaid huddle. Yep. We. Uh, was that your venue? That's beautiful. Yeah, this is the Mount Gretna Playhouse, which is beautiful. Um, I'll give you some wow. other, some other pics here. This is the outside. It's in. It's like outside of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Yeah, what a beautiful place to be hanging out and doing a show. Yeah, especially as like your first one, right? Uh, I thought I thought I had another one, but maybe not. Okay. Anyhow, so it went great and it was fine. We got, I got my first review, which was it was kind and uh, you know, we what ended up happening was it was great because this guy Chris Kowalski who ran the downtown or downtown cabaret or whatever it was called in rochester at the time oh uh, i used to live around the block literally yep and he's like yo uh, i want to bring you guys in so we got like transferred i guess and i would go on to do the show for like another year and a half in rochester with these same guys they kept us together and it became we we got the i ended up doing i've done there's multiple productions we'll talk about on the podcast after this but 
with just with these guys, at least a thousand performances. Boy, that's uh, that's crazy because yeah. if I were one year younger, mm-hmm. I'm sure we would have met each other because because that because sure. that our our dorm and that little you know underground cabaret space was literally half a block apart. Well, I ended up. It's funny you say that because I ended up even when I was working in Rochester, and we'll talk about it later when we get there. I ended up being like, I might as well double dip since by the time we had the show running, it was running. So I right. went and got a job working at the box office at the Rochester Phil. Oh, no so kidding. I just on, sold on tickets. Yeah. yeah, which was a great gig. So I was like rocking it. My first couple years out of college really be, ended up being pretty lucrative and good. Um, I mean, they paid us dick at the... Well, at, naturally. In Rochester, but uh, it was cool. Anyway, it was my first gig, and I learned a lot about how the show must go on, and sometimes tough decisions are made, and... Yeah. Um, it's funny because this was a production. This was a uh, an equity production, but we didn't sign we didn't sign equity contracts because I think I think they had only had one contract at the time, and they it was they used it on the stage manager or something. So we were all non equity guys. Oh, interesting. So when we but we were getting paid Lord B or C money, so it was pretty good. Yeah. And then uh, when we transferred into Rochester, uh, I started learning why non equity can also be sh- bad. <laughs> yeah, because we got paid very poorly in Rochester, and the working conditions that I'll save it. I'll keep the memories good. It was uh, my first gig. I was super excited. What a summer to get out and and like do the thing you've been you've been practicing doing. Yeah, and my mom got to see it. And Keith, I have to say, like, I I talk. You know, we talk about trying. Who are you doing it for? And and making your parents proud and all these things. My mom saw this production, even though like this version of it was was not our ideal version. Uh, there was a a loose a looseness and a nervousness that I think added to the kind of vibes that these kids would probably have been feeling. Yeah. And we did the Ed Sullivan sketch, which I when we get to Rochester, I actually have I have video, so we'll get to it. Awesome. Uh, this show will keep coming back in my life. We'll have to talk about it when that podcast in another another realm, I guess, but. Time, when times in my career would like grind to a halt and I'd be questioning everything, a forever plaid production would come and save me and bring me back. Mm. So mm. it means so much to me, as I'm sure it does to you. It's it's one of these things that sticks with you forever, these shows. Um, and uh, my mom got to see it, and I saw her, when she saw the Ed Sullivan sketch, she basically pissed herself in the audience. <laughs> and I could see it. And I'll never, I don't think I'll ever reach like that, that, um, that feeling of satisfaction again. Mm. So uh, anyhow, that's what I was doing this summer. Uh, Keith, what about you? Talk to me about the summer of 2002. Yeah, boy, that sounds like an amazing summer. Well, cool. you know, we're going to do a production of Plaid. You know, Mike and I are going to produce a production of Plaid somehow, some way, someday. God, uh, we need to do it. I would love to take another crack at that mm-hmm. role because that was... Oh, yeah. I'm not done. <laughs> crack and- pun intended for the, uh, for the high tenor part. But Every once in a while, like my buddy John Smiley, who played Smudge... It's just such a great man. He's he's a he's a drama professor down in Tennessee now. I forget the college, but uh, he every once in a while we'll just shoot each other a text, and instead of saying like "What's up?" or catching up or anything, we'll just a text that'll say something like "Just one wish" or uh, "One more time" <laughs> or like we're just like we were not right. we're not done yet. We have one more. Oh. Else. Uh, I believe it. I believe it. All right. So summer of two thousand and two. Uh, I just have a whole bunch of stuff, whole bunch of quick stuff. But uh, why don't I just start with the? Uh, I'm going to start with the good stuff, and I'm cool. just going to give you a huge amount of. We have tried for years to make this podcast a success. We, we failed. failed. It's time to give the world what it wants. Meow, meow. 
That's going to be a ringtone for somebody. So, (laughs) (laughs) Phoenix, you're our only hope, man. Uh, Truly. Uh, (laughs) So this summer I spent in Vermont um, with my folks and, uh, you know, getting ready to move to the city, which I did in September. Um, But uh, what made this summer so great in the cat world was that I spent this summer with my two cats growing up, Charlie and Bigfoot, and also the two cats that I had with my ex-girlfriend at that point, Frog and Toad. So there I am uh, from left to right. From the, that, is, that is Toad, then two pictures of Charlie with me or Charlie on the thing, and then there's Frog on the right. And they were all there with my, at my parents' house. They all got along amazingly. Um, and uh, they got to run around in the woods for a summer and had a marvelous time. Oh, there's Toad again. Uh, he's, uh, what a great cat. And sadly, none of them are with us anymore, but that was almost 18 years ago. So, uh, Who's the one but, who's sleeping on his back? That's Toad. Awesome. That, Toad is, he was an amazing cat. And, uh, and, and Charlie in the center there, that's Charlie 1, not Charlie 2. Okay. So it's amazing how similar they look. Uh, but had a great time with the cats. The other things that I had a great time doing was this was uh, a summer where I got super into playing D&D with my older brother and his buddies. And right. we did an entire summer-long campaign. Um, oh, God. Hello, ladies. Uh, a whole summer-long campaign um, every Saturday night. And this character that I still play on uh, on the podcast I invented that summer, um, and uh, it was so much fun because he was renting a farmhouse with his buddy, and his buddy worked at Ben and Jerry's. And uh, if you don't know, one of the benefits of working at Ben and Jerry's is at the end of every week, you get to take home two pints of ice cream of any flavor in the entire world. Yeah, that's pretty good. So when we got to his house every Saturday night, he had an entire full-size freezer just of every flavor of Ben & Jerry's that has ever happened in history. And so we'd sit down for D&D. Everyone would grab their pint and sit down and eat the ice cream as we uh, as we played. So that was super, super fun. The other thing I did, as you can see from the pictures there, is I also spent the summer playing hockey um, in uh, a, a, it's a company called Full Stride doing adult hockey um, and I played on, I think, three teams. Wait, adult <laughs> hockey as in, like, the players were adults, not, like, after the hours? Dark, not, wasn't... No, no, it was it was actual ice hockey, not pornography. Okay. Um, as, as you can tell from the pictures, I don't know how sexy any of that is. Uh, but that was my first summer, like, playing hockey a lot and uh, had a really, really good time. And then, of course, over the next couple of years, I'd go back every summer and play again. And especially when I wasn't, I, I got super thin the next year and then i was you know i got to be halfway decent i mean by the standards of a uh division three subjective uh very very subjective because they're you know it's it's co-ed the age range is like 20 to 70 uh some people can skate some people can't even hold a stick but within those standards i was pretty good now (laughs) explain to me because you know what a lot of people might not know about you uh, yeah despite your uh you're very eclectic uh, hobbies and talents. Yes. You are a patriot. And as we can see here from this <laughs> photograph, so I, I, could you let us know what this one's all about? 
Oh, oh, that's on our boat. Um, we. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 Keith I, <laughs> is pompous. Oh, oh, wait. So sorry. Uh, uh, I, I, you know what? I, I, I used the wrong word. Uh, that's on our yacht. Oh. <laughs> Keith is pompous. <laughs> yes, that is on our sailboat, the Hesperia, uh, which we still have today. My grandfather had it. Um, it's uh, yeah. So we so that's we that's out on Lake Champlain. Uh, my folks still go out all the time. Uh, it's uh, it's like our family heirloom boat. And uh, have you ever seen the show or uh, the movie All Is Lost, the Robert Redford? Yes, sort of a uh, one-shot kind of guy, right? Or, yeah, no, well, it's, it's just the one with the, him on the boat. It, just him on the sailboat yeah. in the hurricane. That boat is the exact model of the Hesperia, which made it very <laughs> upsetting to watch that yeah, movie because, like, because all the interior shots, the interior is exactly the same as well as the exterior. And I'm like, oh my god, we're all gonna die. So that was a that was an odd. Uh, yes, <laughs> a family's young. <laughs> uh, we it was my grandfather's. We couldn't afford it. Uh, Speaking of things I couldn't afford, uh, also this summer I was finding an apartment. Uh, I was searching for apartments in New York City uh, with my good friends Mike and Jen, both of whom were voice majors with me at Eastman. We decided to move to New York City all together, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, but in the email thread, we were realizing that the apartment rates in New York City were really low at that point because it was less than a year after 9-11. Oh, yeah. Good time. Good time to move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I'll say about this summer is my summer job. I worked at FedEx. And so I uh, I wasn't driving the truck or anything now, but I was loading the trucks. Mm. And my call time, <laughs> call time, my work, my day started at 6 a.m. for the sort. And uh let me tell you, folks, when you ship something FedEx ground and it arrives in one piece, a higher power has intervened. <laughs> uh, because when I got there, there's uh, it was a, the Williston FedEx uh, ground sort building. And they had, obviously, had a conveyor belt where they unloaded the boxes from the truck and then all of the smaller trucks were lined up against it and it would go down the conveyor belt and you were there, you're looking for your zip codes or whatever and you scan it and load your truck. Uh, however, the conveyor belt is just an L. It's not a full loop. And it's up uh, on, a, on sort of this raised platform. So the conveyor belt itself is probably eight feet over, you know, above the ground, which was a concrete floor. And my supervisor trained me to not like, hey, buddy, this is how we can get away with it. This was the actual specific FedEx training. When a package got to the end of the conveyor belt and it hadn't been claimed, you pick it up and you toss it off the back of the conveyor belt eight feet down onto a concrete floor. Well, that is, I mean, that's why you always have to up the insurance estimate of your packages. I can't believe the number of packages we just exploded it was insane so uh you know it was fun it was easy you know and it was uh it was only about four hours uh to do to do the whole thing 6 a.m was a little rough but uh you know it's a summer job that's what you do all right well speaking of summer let us uh zoom back a little further and talk about what was going on in the world if i can get to my uh my cue here here we go 
It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay, very quickly, in the summer of 2002, uh, we would be listening. There's only two number one hit songs for the musically. Whole summer? The whole songs summer. The summer, all right. Both uh nelly songs hot in here and dilemma ruled the summer man in the hot in here was a huge jam i remember that broke through to like my stupid weird listening which is really saying something uh the top movies were minority report men in black 2 (laughs) frank austin powers in gold member i love gold the look of it, the taste of it, the smell of it. And signs. Swing away, Meryl. The alien invasion that they forgot that they're killed by water. I thought that signs was pretty good. I I thought it was one of his underrated ones. It was good until the end. It was, was, I mean, it's well acted, well shot. It's all, you know... It's always well acted, always well shot. The scenes are well written. The logic of aliens coming from another side of the universe to take over a planet, uh, but they can't touch water, and the planet is covered 70% with water. Yeah, my issue with Shamalama Ding Dong is that I think he is an incredible, maybe virtuosic visual storyteller. mm -hmm. Uh, Not a great writer. So I'll also say another minority opinion I had, Keith, Minority mm. Report, I, I mm. think it holds up. It's pretty good. Um, That's great. I, at, when they first came out, I was not, I did not gronk the humor in any way, shape, or form of Austin Powers. Did not find it even remotely <sighs> amusing. Now, in retrospect, going back to them now, I, I see the absurdist humor. I, I appreciate Mike Myers, but at down back in the day, they were not my jam, which a lot of people really really were upset with me about that. Well, I, I it's it's hard to take that out of context because Austin Powers for me got ruined by everybody's Austin Power impression. Mm, fair. So if I hear one more person say like oh behave, I'm going to you know, like there's an era where like that was what everybody was doing and mm-hmm. I just wanted to kill everyone and uh I, I think I should have. I think that would have been the right thing. So, yeah, I can sort of take it or leave it, but it became an it, it gets grading very quickly. So, uh, all right. Well, now let's talk about the important stuff in a segment we call... It's time, it's time, time, it's time for Sports Ball. This summer featured the 2002 World Cup in Korea and Japan. Brazil beat Germany in the final to take their fifth World Cup. The United States won a huge upset in the round of 16, beating Mexico 1-0 before being eliminated by... Germany. See, this is one where, like, if I cared about baseball, I could tell you something you were actually interested in. Guys, I should I tell Keith? I'm going to tell Keith. Keith, what's wonderful about what just happened mm-hmm. is that your internet uh, shat the bed for exactly the length of sports ball. Like, sports, <laughs> the bumper ran, and then mm-hmm. you froze, and uh-huh. your internet cut out, until it was over, like perfectly. 
So generally, I'd say, you know what? Let's cut back in and do that again. Mm-hmm, but I mm-hmm. think uh, no. for the sake of all of our listener, I'm just yeah. going to let you sit there frozen. They, uh, they all blacked out. As to, I look uh, panicked, uh, but mm-hmm. we know it all works out in the end. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Well, folks, we have learned all that we're going to tell you about the summer of 2002. And we need to uh, talk about the world of the practice of Emmy award-winning series, The Practice. And uh, it's time to talk a little bit about the 2002 Emmy Awards, which were hosted by Conan O'Brien. And uh, let me just cut to the chase and introduce the nominees for Best Drama Series, uh, you know, which we have been in forever. Uh, Here we go. The 2002 nominees for the Emmy Awards and Drama Series. The West Wing. CSI. Law and Order. Six Feet Under. Great show. And 24. No, we weren't nominated. Oh, no. No, it's not. It's not good. It's not good. Uh, Uh, This just in, the jury has returned a verdict of not even nominated. (laughs) Not nominated. No, it's uh, it's not good. Uh, so let's. Uh, I, I'm just gonna run through some of the other awards, just so okay. that we're you know <clears throat> comprehensive. Here are the winners in all of the categories in the Emmys: the Best Actor, Michael Chiklis for The Shield. All right, all right. Leading Actress in a Drama, Alice and Janney for The West Wing. Of course, yeah. Best Supporting Actor in a Drama. Jonathan Spencer for The West Wing. Best okay. Supporting Actress in a Drama. Stalker Channing for The West Wing. So, yeah, we didn't get nominated for any of that. What was uh, what season of The West Wing was it? Uh, I don't know, it was probably three or four. Yeah. yeah Something I like mean, that. Yeah, real great. Uh, however... Okay. I, have, I have I have I have two pieces of good news. All right, ready for it. Okay. Uh, here we go. The nominees for outstanding guest actor in a drama are Bring it. Mark Harmon for The West Wing, Tim Matheson for The West Wing, Ron Silver for The West Wing, and John Larroquette for The Practice, and Charles S. Dutton. For the practice! Yeah, of course. And folks, we got a winner! Charles S. Dutton won four uh, for the practice. He picked That's up interesting. The, he beat out Larroquette? He beat out Larroquette and won the uh, the only Emmy on the only nominations uh, for the practice. Uh, huh. I should, however, point out, because I'm just that guy, uh, you want to know who was nominated this year? friend of the show and my brother Sean Varney was em- was nominated for an Emmy this year nice nice as how many w- noms does he have in the totes uh this is his only one okay. uh because he he moved on to other things um but uh my uncle was also nominated on the uh, same on the same thing and he uh he was nominated I think uh nine times and uh won six Keith what about so, you buddy I uh, have not been nominated for anything ever. 
You did. You did win that. You did win that nymph. I did win a nymph. I do have some Korean uh, Tonys, sort of. All right. Well, there I it mean, is. Something That's... tells me I could buy a Korean Tony, Tony if I really wanted to. <laughs> you probably good. All right. Well, so uh, it was not super award winning uh, in the real world, but okay. guess what? Does that matter to anybody listening here? Because there's only one. There's only one set of awards that matter. Uh, and but before we hand out the prestigious Oopsie Awards, we need to remind you what happened in season six, folks. We are going to uh, do a little recap so uh, you remember what happens. So, uh, Michael, are you ready? Uh, just stall for just one more second, maybe. Okay, so I am I'm now stalling. So we haven't done this before, but as I was setting up the uh, all of the, the stuff for this, I'm like, I don't remember a lot of the things that happened because, you know, life is hard. Yeah. So I thought maybe there's a way to help trigger both of our memories before we start adjudicating these. So, season six of The Practice. Episode one, The Candidate. The one where Dylan Baker's wife killed his lover and got away with it. Also, Emmy Rossum was there. Eleanor figures it out and is furious. There is no follow-up. Episode 2, Killing Time. The one where Charles S. Dutton and Steve Harris melt our screens with acting and some other things happening. Episode 3, Liar's Poker. The one where Jeffrey Tambor extorts Jimmy, who apparently is a gambling addict. Episode 4, Vanished Part 1, the one where Jimmy is a gambling addict, but apparently really good at it. Also, uh, there's this lady kidnapped a kid. Vanished Part 2, uh, the one where the lady and the kid's real mom have a showdown, but the only person who has any consequences is uh, an innocent child molester? On our code! And more of that stuff, but Joanna Gleason's there. Right. Suffer the little children! in which Keith and Mike cry about a differently abled father reuniting with his daughter. Dangerous liaisons! What the was one, this one? <laughs> the one where apparently Bobby has been in love with a black widow and then Lindsay gets <laughs> blamed for it, sort of? Inter-Arma Silent Lieges! Oh, yeah. The one where Rebecca goes to war with a post-9-11 Homeland Security. Oh, we, we ran out of music. I'm going to use Real this fast. one now. Real fast. <laughs> Eyewitness! The one where the reverend helped his lover get away with murder and their gayness was relevant somehow? Keith and Mike were mad. The test. The one where half of the cast of The Walking Dead beats up Bobby, but Negan's a good guy? Pro se. The one where proto Gus Spring Gus Springs the crap out of Eleanor. Judge not. The one where a corrupt judge tries to take down Bobby proverbially but drunk Helen succeeds in taking him down literally. Nice. Man and Superman. Good God. The, the one where a guy thinks he's Superman and jumps out of a window. Twice. No, really. And Preemie Unplugged. The one where a crazy lady sprays perfume. There's another story, but I forgot it. <laughs> Manifest necessity. Ron Swanson doesn't want to get murdered. He gets murdered. Also, our health insurance system rocks. Fireproof. It's backdraft, but we collect another actor from our future Breaking Bad set. 
the return of Joey Herrick. The one where, you know, Joey Herrick returns. Eat and run. The one where this dude's thing is he's Hannibal Lecter who forgot Clarice's name for reasons. Evildoers. The one where Lindsay flat out murders Hannibal Lecter and joins the not that exclusive cast member who murdered someone club. This pud's for you. The one where we learn what a pud is because I'm assuming weed. And finally, the verdict. The one where Lindsay gets convicted and Larry King is there. So, do you now remember the whole season, Mike? Actually, that was very helpful. And <laughs> uh, it reminded me of how many duds there were. Like, <sighs> it was a duddy season, man. I think we have to say it up front. I mean, we'll get to tires, but there were some highs, but there were a lot of lows. It you know a a lot of uh, you know a lot happened and uh, some of it was you know good TV and some of it you know happened. All right, well let us move into the official Oopsie Awards and our first stop it. I know Stupid. what's happening over there. Uh, you know I'm trying to open up Excel and but I've got this bug where like it goes into a configuration every single time I do it. Mm, uh, okay. it's it's very annoying anyway uh okay it is time to talk about our first category you know uh, what it's the end of the season keith mm-hmm, and uh mm-hmm. we paid a good sum for jackie hoffman so we might as well all right do let's this. do it all right here we go ladies and gentlemen the out of practice podcast in unofficial unsolicited unfactual association with david e kelly productions proudly present Oopsie. The Oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the Oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're the most prestigious awards on the internet that are fake. And uh, they begin with a very special award, uh, but here for our season finale, we might as well get the extended version of our bumper. Mike, will you will you roll the official bumper, please? I will, Keith. It's I've got I've got I've got to find it, and now I'm going to roll it and hopefully be able to hear. Wow, how about that? You know what it's time for. Most no, give me the right, give me the right key. I'm gonna, goddamn it, I'm gonna give it a try. Most valuable. <laughs> I had to flip it. I had to fucking flip it. No one could do that. <laughs> Let's see if I was right. I might be wrong. No, I was right. Okay. Most valuable. Why can't Guys, I want everybody to know that I'm I'm really trying. <laughs> All right, wait, hold on, one more, one more, one more. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna hurt myself. Breathe, breathe, breathe. 
of this, I, I can't even breathe enough to laugh. <laughs> I quit. I tried. I hurt myself. Whew. Well, enjoy. I did. Oh, yeah. yeah. Turns out. Turns out Ladies I did. Wait, oh. what? Out of practice what? What is happening? In unofficial, unsolicited. Un there we go. What is happening? What's happening? It, well, what's always happening? I I know. Honestly. <clears throat> okay. Well, Linda. <laughs> here we go. The nominees for season six of The Practice Most Valuable Lawyer are. Eugene Young for Killing Time, Eat and Run, this month's for you. Rebecca Washington for Vanished Part 2, Inter-Arm Silent Lesions, and M. Creamy Unplugged. Jimmy Berluni for Honor Code, Man and Superman, and Fireproof. And ADA Kenneth Walsh for Liars Poker, Dangerous Liaisons, and The Verdict. It's it's interesting you put Walt uh you put the DA up there because he did have the uh, arguably one of the biggest wins of the I guess two no the biggest he put Lindsay he put a a, a, a main a, cast member main cast member behind away bars from murder. yeah murder one which in interestingly we I guess we'll talk about it later when we talk about the recap but but Phoenix wrote in and and. And brought up a really good point about he's also incredulous with the, with the outcome and, and and he thinks it was well we'll get to it but, but but I agree it's like he put he not only did he he put all his eggs in one basket he he didn't charge her with any lesser crimes he just went for murder one and got it which is yeah. nuts yeah you know when I think about the season in totality I think Eugene really uh stepped up this season in the in the lore of the world because he he had to, to, to basically assume strategic operations for the firm for a good portion of it mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. all the way through the pretty catastrophic loss of the last case but for me what sticks to me is is a bunch of episodes where jimmy took the helm and really recentered whereas we generally see rebecca as the sort of moral compass of the office. In Jimmy, some of Jim's, Jimmy's big cases this year, this season, he really brought a ton of empathy and compassion that we hadn't seen. Even in that one, even this the Man and Superman episode, uh, just some of his cases really stuck with me. Um, so I'm having a tough time. I think for me, it's, it's between Jimmy and Eugene right now. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's interesting because... The way this season broke down, we didn't get a lot of wins. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the wins that we got ended up being Pyrrhic victories where uh, we got somebody guilty off or we got somebody innocent convicted. And so I don't have a an image in my head of like, oh, that case, we really crushed it. We really did something successful because we couldn't get out of our own way and we couldn't stop. So honestly, when I look back at it, uh, the most effective lawyer at lawyering, even though he screwed up a few more times, in my opinion, is Kenneth Walsh because he won the iconic case for the season 
Um, and I don't know. Like I, I feel like a lot of these MVLs that we gave for these for these things, we gave them the MVL for like not screwing up or for like being nice to the guy, even though the case went to hell. And so I don't know. I my heart is a little bit with uh, with with ADA Kenneth Walsh. All right, but let me throw me let me throw you the one counterpoint. Okay. If you're gonna if you're gonna heavily weight the 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 final case, okay, which it seems like you are, wouldn't you then have to ding him equally for that for losing the case, which put the man eating murderer back on the street, <laughs> right? Uh, true. In order to stalk uh, Kelly Williams or Lindsay. No, that's that's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, all right. So make make your pitch. Pick one and pick it and and reference a case to get. I, I'm I'm ready to go with you. I'm ready to be on board. But but like reference a case that one of these people won that you remember. I really do remember. I remember. Okay, so Jimmy was the lead on the Superman case. Am I mm-hmm. right? Right. Who was the lead on the 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 differently abled man whose daughter we have the big reuniting at the end i think that was Lindsay. Hmm. you know didn't hold on let me can i throw a curveball <laughs> oh are you going off of the nominee map could i do a write-in for joey <sighs> herrick <laughs> didn't he get uh, uh his client off for murder whilst also concealing the fact that he did the murder uh no that's pretty valuable he got himself. He got his client by losing on purpose. By losing on purpose. So he solely to, succeeded in saving himself. In saving himself, he was most valuable lawyer to himself, and no also question. launching a lucrative punding career. Uh, that's true. That's absolutely true. But I don't think it fits the qualifications of most valuable lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Are we still basing the nominees on "Oopsie Save the One"? Yes. Oh, okay. Who had the so, most number that? Well, let's go purely empirical. Who had the well, most? Well, here's the problem: Eugene, Rebecca, and Jimmy all got six. What about uh, Walsh? Got Walsh got five. Shit. This is <laughs> this goes against all of our shortcuts. <laughs> what cases were Rebecca? Help me out. Which cases were Rebecca's cases? Uh, vanished part two. Inter arma silent leisure. She, you know. Mm. And M Premi unplugged. I mean, she Great did one. go. She did go to go to bat against the Homeland Security, which mm, that's pretty big. Which which took some uh, which, which yeah, it took took some intestinal fortitude, uh, and she didn't necessarily get a good outcome, but she got the outcome her client wanted. I don't know. Maybe that's you know. Maybe after discussing advocating for all three others, maybe it's Rebecca. Yeah, and she had a rough go at it, remember? Because she also sort of like learned some hard lessons this season. Well, and so she maybe... also dealt with uh, dealt with that lawyer who was throwing death row cases, mm-hmm. and she she went up against him. She had a tough caseload, and she did she did her damnedest. No, yeah, guys, I like uh, it. Hey, you know, uh, surprise! Guess what? Uh, the uh, Rebecca wins the most valuable lawyer. She also for... made the least backroom deals she only made one with helen it didn't go well for her but she she did she did get some people killed in indirectly Eh, but eh, that's that doesn't make her the next guy that does not make her special on the show (laughs) okay rebecca yeah wow how about that all right well uh, 
amazing. All right, well, let us move forward uh, to a, a little segment called Best Guest Actor. And uh, I also, I got a little, I got a little thing for this. Oh, yeah? Bef- don't right. go there. Don't right. go, well, we're, we're already, not there. Well, to be honest, we've, I've already gone there. So I'm going to have to go back. Which and is also, also, that's okay. the wrong slate anyway. It is? No, that's Best, best Actor. Where, where are we on? Oh, good best God. Guest. It's, it's going really well. You know what I have time for? Oh, no. Hold Most. on. No, that's not no, the right one. Give me the right key. I well, I was surprised. I surprised myself at how well it had been going. It, it you uh, know, considering we've we've been doing great. What, uh, we? All right. So what am I playing here? Best guest actor. Okay, best yeah, guest actor. Here it is, and we might have to leave this rolling while we begin. We, we begin deliberations, but please enjoy. Best guest actor. Getting a paycheck. First entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best. Everybody dance. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. Oh my god, it looks like we've aged seven years. I'm sorry for those of you who just listened to the podcast. What are you doing? You're just listening. Because, folks, we did this 22 times this season. We're remarkably consistent. (laughs) Oh, my God, they keep going. I I sped them up because the first version of the video was eight minutes long. You're really into this one. It's, it's really just like a, a story about Mike's hats and beard length. I really, my appearance alters greatly. You look I'm like Obi Wan Kenobi in this one. That's true, yeah. Well, wow. we did it. Oof, we uh, we <laughs> are not consistent in our visual appearance, Keith. Uh, we Mm-mm. fluctuate in many ways and sizes. Mm. Uh, but our choreography is remarkably consistent. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. So sorry to any of you who weren't watching that on YouTube and just heard the chipmunk well, you know singing what? For our the theme song. For the sake of our listener only, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll make sure the audio version skips that portion. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, it is time. The nominees for Best Guest Actor on Season 6 of The Practice are... Kelly Williams for, no, that's, there it is, Bill Simitrovich for most of the season, Charles S. Dutton for Killing Time, John Larroquette for The Return of Joey Herrick and The Verdict, and Bruce McGill for Judge Not. Hmm. Good nominees here. This is fun. That is fun. Huh. You know what I want to do here, buddy, while we're thinking about this? Mm-mm. I'm going to do some on-the-fly work. That's all right with everyone. We won't. Oh, yeah, because, you know, we, we've never shown our work before. It's always I'm been just... so s- seamless and smooth. 
I'm just trying to get by, buddy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Aren't we all? So, <clears throat> so this is an interesting one because, oh, well done. Trying. Well done. So, uh, we have a couple of people here with singular episodes that are sort of iconic. We already know that Charles Dutton won the Emmy for this. Yeah, and uh, and, and you know what's funny is that Cameron Mannheim's name is on Jerry Joe. Uh, John Larroquette's face. That is it's so funny that I can't even begin to tell you. <laughs> he definitely was photoshopping these very quickly. Attention um, to detail. Well, you know, honestly, Cameron Manheim is such a good actress. She uh, could, she could play. Jo- she could play John Larroquette. Not a problem. Uh, well, you know, he's won so many oopsies and he's deserved them. And Charles S. Dutton was great in that episode. He won an Emmy for it. He sure did. McGill... He had a good arc. God damn it, though. But, Keith, you yeah. know, when Ron Livingston leaves the show, he leaves with him a, a vacuum of sexy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but Bill steps in. I was curious what his arc was going to be. I did not know it would be a, 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 a season-long heel turn. I don't know <laughs> if he didn't. If he knew that either. Yeah. But I think you mentioned it in the tires rundown for an episode or two ago. That he he really embraced it and made it feel earned, which is tough to do. With it's not like he had a huge amount of time to do so, and he had to carry that arc into almost full villain uh, uh, villainosity. What's that word I'm thinking looking of? Villainy. <laughs> Villainy. Villainy. Yeah. But but, oh, but I geez. think villainosity is a good word too. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Villainosity, the best words. Villainosity. Here's COVID. Inject the villainosity. It's the best words. Best. Uh, and uh, you really have improved that, Trump. It's really great. And <laughs> what I'm getting at is, I think that in a in a in a in a category where you have Cameron Manheim as Don Larroquette, <laughs> Bruce McGill, and Charles S. Dutton, I still think that because of his body of work mm-hmm. this season. Bill Smitrovich is probably, I think, the Oopsie Award winner. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. That was, that was my, that was my thought the whole way. It's just that he, he came in. He'd never got the big showy stuff, but boy, did he have to lay a lot of groundwork and, and just got, got it done. Made a compelling character out of a character that was supposed to be, I'm assuming, sort of a side character. I'm sure, I'm sure that he took over Alan's arc. Yeah. You think, and and uh, he brought with it a lot of weight and credibility, and uh, you know, was a weak weak ass crap or whatever it was. He was not, he was not, he was not uh, weak ass crap. Do you think uh, that that was Ron Livingston's arc? They just like retrofitted it to him. You know, I actually doubt it because I don't think they're writing that far ahead. Okay. Uh, clearly, from this season, clearly they're not planning the season ahead of time. So, uh, congratulations. To uh, where is my clapping? Ah, oh, here we go. To Bill Simitrovich for your best guest actor. Wow. Uh, which brings us to. Oh, so he's so far two for two. No, Rebecca won. You're right. You just made such a strong case for it. I just assumed that that's just... what we've done, but I've already forgotten. It turns out. <laughs> Mike doesn't remember what happened ten minutes ago. I can't wait till the I, the end of 
the you know much like the practice when we get to the mm. end of the run of this podcast yeah uh, this this first swing at the podcast uh, we'll see where there's talks um it's gonna be nice to look at the arc as we all look at the full arc of the practice we're gonna have to look mm-hmm. at the arc of our oopsie spectaculars because we really peaked one year we like yeah, went for no. it we went like we went for it. jen was on yeah we had yeah full suits <clears throat> a red tuxedo we wore tuxedos we did roll we had the whole thing the next year we had a green screen the whole thing and then mm-hmm, this year mm-hmm. it's like well i'll wake up <laughs> <laughs> yeah we are you, you know uh our job is to be so slavishly loyal to the practice that we're going to peak with them and uh, <laughs> and we're and going we're, to cr- crash we're gonna with them too we're going to jump that goddamn shark uh, <laughs> yeah. all right uh, the nominees for the practice season six in the category of best actor. Oh, Mike, God, will you show again. our nominees for the 14th? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you showed this one 17 times. Ah, <laughs> uh, R. Kelly Williams for Liars Poker, Suffer the Little Children, Dangerous Liaisons, Eat and Run, Evildoers, and The Verdict. Michael Badalucco for Vanished Part 1, Vanished Part 2, Honor Code, Man of Superman, Fireproof, and The Return of Joey Eric. Cameron Mannheim, played by John Larroquette, for The Candidate, Eyewitness, Pro Se, and M. Premi Unplugged. And Lisa Gay Hamilton for Killing Time, Interarma Silent Lieges, Evil Doers, and This Month's For You. Okay, well, I have. I want, I'll, I'll, I'll help narrow it down here. So my feelings are that Michael, for every episode he won the Oopsie for, I thought he was absolutely stellar. Mm-hmm. Um, the same goes for everyone. I think Cameron always brings something so special and unique, be it a subtlety, be it just her ability to do anything. So she op- absolutely, I think, rises to the top again. And she's always given a really difficult narrative arc, always. Yeah. Uh, and, and and maybe not just difficult, but complex and complicated and uh, hard to... And she, she has to put... She's often given the task of putting her stamp on it in order to inform the character, right? Yeah. I think Cameron yeah. has to imbue uh, Eleanor much more than... I, I think you could trans... I think you could... I, I, this... I don't want this to sound too critical, but I, I think you it would be easier to transplant any of the other characters to a different actor and they'd be able to 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 bring a similar vibe to it. Whereas I don't think anyone else could play Eleanor. Mm. Uh <clears throat> I think she's I, I I as well. That said, focusing on season six, much like from my argument for Smitchovich, I think that what Kelly Williams was tasked with this season. The highs and the lows, and the highs were very, very high. And I mean that to a point where most of the time you can, most of the time as an actor, many times as an actor, you can find the stakes somewhere. You can sort of transplant some sort of experience in your personal life to the stakes of the character to find your way there. 
Kelly was found herself in some rando situations this year. Yeah. I mean, there aren't a lot of things we can equate to our lives to being haunted by a serial killer who wants to eat you. And uh, by the way, this is the third time it's happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a very unique set of experiences. Yeah. Which is also, as far as just like a, a plot device, pretty insane. On the other side, how do you <clears throat> deal with a husband and a family whilst juggling your career, whilst uh, your husband and you are clearly having some communication issues and maybe some fidelity issues, uh, which are very grounded, real things, uh, and maybe the script is working against you as a character in all of those situations, and you as an actor still have to have to bring a humanity and a reality to it. That's a that's a tall order, and do it as one character over an entire season while you're still in a procedural drama. Yeah, and I think for me that task was accomplished as well as anyone could do it, and even brought me to emotional stakes uh, quite a few times. Um, by losing her shit and doing it in a way that I felt was real, I, I think Kelly Williams is my winner here. Yeah, no, and and I'd I'd like to certainly uh, what Cameron and Lisa Gay did was uh, uh, you know always always fantastic, but they weren't given as much to do, you know, and like you said, what they're able to do with what they're given is always better than what's on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Michael had a had a his gambling arc while random, he did beautifully. And the, you know, and the relationship stuff he dealt with with Eugene and the sandwiches, like, I think that was all uh, beautifully done. But yeah, it's it's Kelly's season. I think Kelly really, you know, speaking of like the script, she treated the scripts a lot better than the scripts treated her. Um, But she really brought it. She was given a a, a giant task, (laughs) a giant undertaking here. Um, And she really crushed it. So uh, I think there's no question. This is Kelly Williams' season. Season six is Kelly Williams' season for best actor. Now, Keith, there's a yeah. there's a big question. Yeah. Can you get an Oopsie Award, mm-hmm. the prestigious Oopsie Award, into a federal supermax prison? Uh. <clears throat> Well, because at this point they're virtual, we have not 3D printed the physical awards, then we're really just carrying them in our hearts. Okay. Uh, when we hand out the the physical ones, uh, you know, from all the millions of dollars we're making on this podcast, then we'll have to we'll have to figure out whether it could be made into a shiv. It's a good question. All right, moving forward. The nominees for best episode of The Practice Season 6 are The Return of Joey Herrick, Eat and Run, Judge Not, and Rosé. Man, Prose really did, really did surprise me. Yeah, that was a great ending. It was a very satisfying, like, turn of the screw story. You know, I have to say that Judge Not was good too. Judge Mm -hmm. Not was great. Eat and Run was a that was one of our highest rated episodes. Yeah, 
it oh, that's was. right, because we, were, we couldn't believe they did the same plot as Superman and yet still pull, and pulled it off, and it was really it was an entertaining yep. case, and it was a good flippity doo da. Yeah, yeah. Damn that Joey Herrick episode, though. How do you vote against Joey Herrick? Not it, all, it sh- it could have been terrible, it could have been all scene chewing, but it was actually kind of a cool case. the The twist got me, and he is so damn good. Yeah. See, that's when writing a twist ending is when it's clever and he can unique. Hand, he can land it. You need yeah. someone who can land the twist. Uh, that ending was awesome, actually, if I recall. Yes, I do. as it was. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I think it's my. It's, I think it's our boy. It's well, be. you know, statistically as well, uh, it was the highest rated. Very close. They they were all between eight point eight eight and nine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think Pro Se was was very satisfying, um, plot wise. It was like, oh, that's so cool. That's crazy that it happened. And Judge Not was as well. I you know I love the scenes between he and Bobby sort of feeling each other out. Um, but in terms of a fully satisfying episode, I think it's Return of Joey Herrick. I, I don't think you can get yeah. around it. So and that's it. Uh, yeah. Congratulations, Return of Joey Herrick as the best episode of season six. Okay, folks. Well, now we have uh, our next award, a very important award, uh, which is good. And uh, this the award should go to me for doing, I think, 12 Tom Brady's at about midnight last night. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's Some us. would say, Keith, that you've had mm-hmm. an entire season of podcast to do that. Some would say, uh, yeah, I know. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Let us go through the season's worth of Tom Brady's. Here we go. Where is it? I'll do Tragic Brady for this one. Oh, it's hold on. It's all quiet. Take it away, Mike. You can go first. Oh, face Tom Brady. Oh, oh. Self-help Tom Brady. Now, I haven't seen some of these, so I'm very excited. (laughs) Sexy gambler Tom Brady. Ooh, that's really Tom Brady with his shirt off, kids. Watch it on YouTube. (laughs) On the steps of the Brady Tom Brady. Sorry, I'm trying to do it. Click it up. Ooh, abducted Brady. Sandwich shop Brady, Tom Brady. He looks really happy to be an employee there. Identifying the Brady. The body Brady. Baby Brady and Bobby's mistress's (laughs) arms, Tom Brady. Bobby's such an asshole. Uh, (laughs) Patriot, Tom Brady. (laughs) Excellent. Tom Brady gleeful at a murder trial, Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady, Brady and ugly green ass sweater. (laughs) So I I went with ass sweater. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) Los Poyos Hertamos, Tom Brady. Tom Brady accepting bribes. See, I, I, I tried to think about what you could bribe, bribe Brady with, and it was a mirror, so he could so look at himself. So meta, Keith. So Very meta. meta. 
fired. fired babysitter Tom Brady. What is blurred out in this picture? <laughs> the, the, or the uh, the stock photo <laughs> watermark. <laughs> Guys, we need your, we need your subscriptions. We need, we need those donations. <laughs> <laughs> Holding a baby like it were the Lombardi Trophy, Tom Brady. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. <laughs> Diabetes stash Tom Brady That's a good photoshop Inappropriate IT guy Tom Brady Oh my god You know god, what movie we... that's from? Jurassic Park? Yeah it is um, That reminds me of the plot line where Lucy uh, Yeah Joey Herrick, Tom Brady. And it's a return, Keith, because he's in the Bucks uniform. That's right. Tom Brady, who just ate something. <laughs> Twin Brady, Tom Brady. This brings me so much joy. This puts for Tom. Oh, my God. What is <laughs> that's that's one of the original uh, ads. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Tom sucking at Larry King's job, Tom Brady. And finally, that, that's it. <laughs> Did we not do it for the last episode? This puts for you. Oh, that was Larry King. That was Larry King. Oh, my bad. My bad. <laughs> uh, yes. Do we have to pick a winner? You think? Yeah. Well, of course, you have to pick a winner. Um, this one's on you. You, this is one that you get to choose all for yourself. Oh man. Okay. Um, they were all very good, Keith. Um, but I think it's it goes without saying uh, that for me, I liked the finger one. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I liked it quite a bit. Uh, but for me. I think it's gonna to go to Brady in the ugly green ass sweater for the just for the wordplay. <laughs> okay, congratulations, Tom Brady in the ugly green ass sweater. Now, Keith, are we gonna get a, an Instagram slideshow for that? Because I feel like the people need to be a part. Oh yeah. Well, now that I've done the hard part, I mean, yeah, it only seems point. right. That's a good. Point. Okay, folks, there is only one last thing that we have to do, but it's the important one. Ladies and gentlemen. It's time to announce how many spare tires this season gets. All right, first let's go back to the empirical evidence. What, uh, what, what, but before that, tell, mm -hmm. remind me where we were last season. Last season, we, uh, <clears throat> the, our tires throughout the season were 7.78 on average. I gave it a 7.71 and you gave it a 7.84. Which, uh, if you're counting at home, was slightly less, but statistically almost identical to season four, which was 7.79 versus 7.78. What is our highest season ranking thus far? It is the 7.79. Season uh, four is our highest ranked season. Wow. It turns out, for a podcast dedicated to a show, we've been relatively critical of that show. By the sevens are good. That's Sevens true. are pretty solid, and and I I think we the actual uh, 
rankings we gave in the season episodes were probably a little higher than that, but I didn't go back and look it up. Well, and I think that it goes to show that episodic television like this in network style, unlike the streaming kind of uh, future we're in now where you can have eight episodes, eight really solid episodes of a season. Mm -hmm. um, when you're trying to pump out 23 a season, 22, 23 a season, it, it's not easy to do consistently. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this let me give you some numbers on yeah. this season. Uh, so our average for this season was seven point seven five, which is which puts this season uh, worse than four and five, but over one, two, and three. Interestingly, uh, our high score was a nine for the return of Joey Herrick. Our low score was a 3.86 for Dangerous Liaisons. We also had our first unprecedented no score. We did not give tires for inter-arma silent lieges, interestingly. Because, they, because the jury refused because to give a verdict. Because the jury refused to give a verdict. And uh, so our low score, that was the third lowest of the series behind uh, State of Mind, in season three, and of course, Sex, Lies, and Monkeys in season two. Now, was that a special case, Keith, or do we generally do a worst episode and like dis and decide to ch toss one from the lore? We did that uh, for the first couple seasons, but then by season three, there really weren't enough bad episodes to do that category. What was the three-point whatever episode this season? 3.86 was Dangerous Liaisons. It was Black Widow, you know, Bobby's cheating on Lindsay. You know, and that it's indicative of, of what I think our one of my big problems with this season is, is that yeah, there's some standout episodes, but we lacked really any sort of cohesion. And the things that were cohesive were like Bobby's an ass to Lindsay, mm -hmm. Lindsay's abused, uh, metaphorically and physically, and and as just a character and via writing, and there was no real. When you look at the the consistent like couple of episode arcs there were, they're pretty bad on on the whole. Uh, I guess this last one was unique and and interesting in the fact that I I'm inter I want I got to see how we get out of it, but it should never be that. It should always feel like I'm interested in what happens next, not how are we gonna untangle this knot. You know, that yeah. really left a sour taste in my mouth. The way Lindsay's been. Treated left sour taste, but that Black Widow episode that we you, we still haven't recovered from it. Yeah, for yeah. Bobby, uh, I don't know. It's a rough episode. I mean, John Larroquette was like a shining, shining beacon of hope, uh, and I thought we'd get more from him. That one episode was great, and you know his little like peekaboo and some other episodes was good. But we also don't see much of Holland Taylor. We lost. We, nope. we had. We introduced a great character to replace Jason Kravitz, who I really liked. Yep. That character didn't last, and so then we get like a, a a new big bad, but sort of at the cost of Helen a little bit. We don't see as much Helen, and she doesn't get to be. Well, I, here let me give you some more information. Sorry, I'm all over the be, place. Be, yeah. Before you throw a number, because I actually do have what we gave out for final season numbers. Okay. Season one, we gave out a six. Season two got a seven. Season three got an eight. Season four got an 8.75. Season five got an 8.25. Uh, 
So are we at a low of six and a high of 8.75? So, you know, you said it a few weeks back. We're watching a show that's, 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 and I think, I think David E. Kelly knows it. We're watching a show that's, that's sort of losing its focus and identity. And when it's hitting, it's hitting hard. When we're, we're an ensemble and when all of our characters are being true to who we think they are, awesome episodes. But we're floundering a lot of other times. And yep. I, I don't think it's, it's poor by any stretch. It's definitely not an eight. It's definitely, I think, I think it's suffering that same kind of feeling from season one where we're trying to find ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think right back here, we're, we're trying to, re- to find ourselves. And, and what we're, what, there's a lack of trust that the episodes can stand on their own. Like we mentioned, there's a lot of writing backwards. There are a lot, there's a lot of gotcha gimmicks. And, you know, we don't need them. The epi- we could these could be law and order episodes, just like straight to the point, case by case, and yeah. our characters could survive that. And so I'm feeling a season one high six. I'd mm-hmm. say or I don't know if we're doing static numbers or how we do this, but I, I would think a six point seven, six point six five, six point seven is where I would come down. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's I think that's right. You know, I, I think you were the word used was standing on its feet and i and i i agree this season feels a little wobbly it feels a little it feels a little um yeah it's like it's lost its center it's lost its balance a little bit um all the all the the ingredients are still there and the ingredients are great but when i try to think about what is this season about like what what is what is sort of the the basic arc of this season and I guess based on the verdicts, it's like injustice because a ton of inno- of, of of guilty people were freed and a ton of innocent people went to prison. But I'm working backwards from the verdicts, not from the storytelling. So, so the storytelling isn't about injustice. The verdicts point to that. And so, yeah, it it, it feel, felt a little just... Uh, you know, hack, hacky because of the each episode not really having much to do with other episodes and and thematically just all over the place, and just a little bit falling into the tropes. You know, the, what we now know are the practice tropes, the practice cliches, and just sort of living in it. And I don't think we gave our actors, our main cast, that much to do. This was a lot about the guest stars. It was a lot about sort of plot, plot, plot. You know, we didn't have the Eleanor in season four or the Lara Flynn in season five, like great showcasey kind of uh, arcs. So it was like, eh. so um, yeah, I th- I think you're in the right range. I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go seven point one. You know. <clears throat> based off of the other seasons because i because you know it's better than season one it's it's not as good as season three four or five and it's roughly in the edge of season two but season two is a little bit had had some had some real clunkers in there so that and I gives think for that bottle-esque episode uh with joey herrick 
it, it gets a big bump for that because that was such a perfectly crafted yeah. episode. Well, there, there were some really good individual episodes for sure. Um, it just as a whole, I, you know, I just I'm I'm if I'm uh, running this show as I frequently do in my head before se- season seven, like we have a come to Jesus meeting. I'm going to be like, guys, we need to make a plan for this season. We need to figure out what the season is about. We need to figure out what makes us good. We're going to have to start plowing some new territory. And, you know, no more crutches. No more twisty twist at the end. Yeah. Unless it's earned. I want to say, you know, because if I want to really put on my I'm not angry, I'm disappointed dad hat. You know, you said, I I think you were being uh, very... um, Rose-colored glasses, uh, when you or you give them a lot of benefit of the doubt when you said that the season was about what'd you say? Um, injustice. Injustice. I would say, if we're being honest, it's about gotcha. And yeah. what I mean is, you know, if you look at the, it's funny that signs came up earlier because if you look at the Sixth Sense, the movie, no spoilers. <laughs> it's not. It's it's not a great movie because of the twist. It's it's an awesome twist. But there's, a, but it's about something before yeah. that, uh, and yeah, it tells well, the, us, the the twist completes the thought, but there yes. had to be a thought first. It's about something. The characters all have motivations, and it's yeah. it's beautifully well shot. Blah 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 blah. Some of the some of the pitfalls I think he falls into after the fact was that he didn't trust that he could come up with a good story, and so it became about the it became about yep. the twist ending. Yep, and yep. too often. And I won't put it squarely on David E. Kelly. Clearly, he didn't write a lot of these episodes, but they weren't didn't trust a lot of their narratives throughout the season, so they had to rely on the perfect episode example of that is the priest, uh, or is the episode where there's the big gay twist at the end right, in the bathroom, right, right. which, but which went on to negate any goodwill we had towards the episode up to that point. Yeah, you know, and then the season is a larger manifestation of that as a whole, as the ending. As as Phoenix says when he wrote in, and as you said last week, it was written completely backwards. It was like yeah. it, we knew going in, guys, we're sending Lindsay to prison. Won't that get everybody's jaws on the floor? And let's just write an episode. But oh, what Phoenix's point was, which which shows that it was a bit lazy, Keith, is that they didn't even put any out of the charges against her except premeditated murder, which right. by its definition, she did not. He, she didn't know he was coming that night. She didn't have a plan to murder him when he came. Right. I mean, it's you could find you could qualify a, a, a guilty verdict through maybe a lesser charge or some twist, but straight up, we only guilty one. You knew that was just an, that's not that's bad writing. That yeah. that's it's bad strategic writing. So well, and yeah, so I I think this season is the uh, mid M Night Shyamalan era movies. Between yeah. signs and his sort of like, uh, re- you know, rebuilding lately, where he's he's been putting out better stuff. So, or, or not be seen uh, between Sixth Sense. So mm-hmm. we're, I think Signs is is exactly right. It's funny yeah. it came up. This is the season of Signs, where so, like really good elements, very well acted, beautifully shot, sloppy let, ending. Let's go back to that pitch meeting. All right, priority one: we have to undo the Lindsay thing because. Where I sit, and maybe it'll be, and maybe I hope I'm pleasantly surprised that they find a way to do this. Because right now, I can't think of any eventuality in which 
Lindsay gets out of prison, which is great. I'm sure, you know, no doubter she's getting out of prison. But how do you unruin her life? Yeah. How do you unruin <clears throat> Lindsay's life? She's not been this child, Bobby and Lindsay's kid, has two parents who have been put on who have been charged with first degree murder. One yeah. of which has been, I don't care if she's then, it's overturned, or it's this, this wonderful, uh, they find out that Walsh was literally paid a juror or something like that. Yeah. Still, that stigma, you don't, you don't come back from it. So uh, I'm really, and, and, and that all aside, the just trauma, you know what I mean? You can't just, you can't make it go away in the narrative. So really, we have to, so bullet point one, how do we get her out of this? Bullet point two, how are we going to treat the character? Are we going to deal with it or are we going to write Kelly Williams off the show? Yeah. Right? Like, what are we, we, those are your choices. Well, and the only thing that could be worse than that is, is to pretend it didn't happen. Right. Is, is, is popping her out early and have there be no consequences. Right. So, uh, sort of like they did with Eleanor's uh, abuse. Yeah. 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 You know what and I mean? the fact Who, that she shot a guy dead. Oh, yeah. Well, there's that. But I mean that Eleanor was like, oh, hey, you did all these traumatic things to me, but I'm going to have one scene where I take my power back and then you go to a different country and that's the end of it. Right. So, wow. Yeah. Okay, folks. So we're season dude. seven, we're, we're, looking, we're looking for you. I'm excited to start season seven, uh, but we have now officially gotten through season six of The Practice and season six of Out of the Practice. Let's take it away, kids. No, wait, stop. Oh, wait, stop. What? What? Stop. I'd like to take a moment because mm -hmm. uh, we do this every, and I, and I want to speak to those of you who do listen. Now, Keith and I are famous for being very um, self-deprecating, and we deserve every second of it, to be honest. Uh, but that said, a moment of sincerity that I will uh, speak for both of us. We appreciate all of the hours you spend with us. Uh, we appreciate it because we love talking ourselves and to you we love the fact that you give us this window of uh, unpaid therapy uh, for ourselves <laughs> and our issues um i appreciate that you give me an opportunity to spend some time with my good friend keith who lives a little bit far from me and i get to spend a couple hours with him every week it's wonderful and i do want to say that though we record and basically treat this podcast in real time and speak to our listeners who are following along with us i do not want to forget those of you who will be listening once Keith and I have moved on to other things, and this is done. Maybe you came to the practice on Hulu late, you found our podcast, um, and you are one of the people who are listening years after we've recorded this. We appreciate you taking the ride with us, whether you've donated <laughs> to the podcast or you haven't, or you're just laughing at us uh, because you know the future that we don't know. Uh, mm -hmm. we do appreciate your time. We appreciate your patronage. And we hope that you're following along with whatever we're doing next on KME on YouTube. Check it out. All of those things. Check out our Star Trek show. Even if you're not into it, uh, it's fun. We're playing with toys. And uh, if we're doing anything else currently, uh, follow along. So I just want to say a thank you. Keith, it's always awesome to hang out with you, buddy, and watch the show. And I promise you I haven't watched next week yet, even though me and Jen have talked about it about three times. <laughs> well, likewise uh, to all of that. And and uh, yeah, thank you to everyone listening. Thank you to Mike. This is always uh, a joy and a thing that I look forward to every single week. And uh, to those future listeners, uh, scrubbing this for offensive things Mike said before he gets fired from hosting Jeopardy 2. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I didn't uh, even get an audition. Yeah, right. But uh, but seriously, this is this has been a blast, and uh, I'm really excited. I can't believe we only have two seasons left. It's very, uh, it's sad, but we're gonna do it. We're gonna be right here, KME Entertainment. So uh, here we go, folks. If you would like to reach out to us and tell us all of your thoughts and feelings and stuff that we got wrong, you can get us on Out of Practice Podcast at gmail.com, on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Pride. Ooh, Out of Practice <laughs> Podcast. While you're on the internet, hey, and having opinions, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and join the jury. You can write anything anything and we will read it and gratefully welcome you to the jury speaking of people who are we are grateful for our founding sponsors jorge novoa cloud lover 69 leanne writes jennifer masanova and kari coon guys they don't have to be the only ones you can join the founding members by giving us a one-time donation or a sustaining monthly contribution we don't have uh, an OnlyFans, so you got to do it through the <laughs> two links that we've put into our show notes every week. You know, I've left myself a lot of time. You sure did. Uh, so I'm going to just say that join us next week for season, season seven. And in the meantime, for all of you kids and teachers going back to school, best of luck. Make sure to maintain a social distance, wear those masks, get that vaccine when you're old enough, and in the meantime, shoot off some laser sounds. Laser sounds. Thinking of you, Louisiana. <laughs>